0: The Hut Near the Bog is a subscription and advert-free podcast. Please help us keep it that way by either donating or purchasing products from our store. Or alternatively, you can give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Just follow the link in the description below. Thank you and we hope you enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to The Hut Near the Bog. The podcast where Sheila, a life and business coach, and me, James, a philosopher, discuss various aspects of human existence by drawing on the wisdom of Old Ireland, as well as our own expertise and personal experiences. In this episode, we explore gratitude through the philosophies of Adam Smith and Immanuel Kant. We then look at the Gaelic concept of mehel and discover that this, along with gratitude, played a key role in the social cohesion of old Ireland. Finally, Sheila tells us how she draws on gratitude to assist her clients in her role as a life and business coach.
0: Hi James, how are you getting on this morning?
1: Yeah, I'm doing good. I was over watching the sunrise and I'm tipping away at my various projects, trying to keep myself busy during this crisis. I am, however, really missing my partner who is in London. And I haven't seen her since the beginning of March, so that's been quite difficult, but I'm hoping to see her sooner rather than later. How about you? How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. I uh, My life has changed a bit, all right, in that normally I'd be interacting quite a bit with people. However, I have learned that... Uh, as a result of being living on a farm and the beautiful weather, that it's a great opportunity to interact with nature. And I'm very grateful for the interactions. Obviously, I loved meeting people on a daily basis. However, I think there's something to be got from nature as well. And I feel gratitude in my heart. And it's something that has come to my mind quite a bit on my walks recently and I have been meaning to ask you what the philosophers have to say about gratitude.
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting topic. Well, there's been quite a bit written about gratitude, not so much written about gratitude in contemporary philosophy, but throughout the history of philosophy, there's been plenty, uh, plenty written. For practical purposes, I think I'll break it down into two schools of thought. There's what we could call the thinking school, and what we could call the feeling school and i think i'll take a philosopher from each school to exemplify what they think gratitude is on the one hand we have emmanuel kant and we can associate him with the thinking school and on the other we'd have adam smith and we can associate him with the feeling school and emmanuel kant basically the reason why he doesn't think that gratitude is primarily a feeling it's not that he says that there that feeling isn't a part of it, but he says it's primarily something we have to think about is because kant morality is based on our ability to reason, and the reason why he says that is because he says we can't rely on what they what these philosophers would call the passions or sentiments to determine what is good or bad or what's right or wrong because we don't have direct voluntary control over our feelings or our sentiments or passions. So Kant says that the only thing that we do have control over is our ability to reason and he suggests that we have from that we have the ability to reason what is right or wrong and he puts forward this theory of the categorical imperative and it's it's quite complex but the the, cent, the central argument is is within grasp so the idea is that we have to put forward a maxim so a maxim is made up of two parts. Uh, the first is the act itself, and the other is the intention of the act. And Kant asks us then to universalize that maxim in in a, in, a, in in the world. And if we're able to achieve the goal of that maxim, then it's morally permissible. And that's a bit abstract, so I'll I'll give an example to flesh that out a little bit more. So he gives the example of what he calls the promising lie. So we could imagine a gambler who has racked up a considerable amount of debt and he is now in a situation whereby he owes money to some very bad people who will hurt him if he doesn't pay back the money. So the gambler goes to his friend and promises his friend that if he gives him the lend of the money that he'll pay him back. But the gambler knows he'll never be able to pay his friend back because he's in so much debt. If we take that as an example, the act is getting the lend of money from my friend, the intention is not to pay it back. If we universalise that in a world, we can see that that if everybody did that, no one would be able to get the lend of money from anyone because nobody would trust anyone. So therefore, the goal of the maxim is not achievable. So that would be morally impermissible for Kant. And if we take that to gratitude well if we imagine a world where no one showed gratitude to to one another well you could equally argue that people would at least would be less beneficent they would be less willing to do good things um and therefore we wouldn't be able to achieve the goal of our our maxims in that scenario either and if we build upon that kant he gives he he he, said, he has he has a bit to say about gratitude he 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 thinks he thinks we need to think about it from the relation between the benefactor and the beneficiary so if we think about it from the benefactor's perspective he says first off the benefactor's act of beneficence must be purely beneficent in the sense that it must be about the other so for example if it's if it's an act that's there just to purely hold the other under obligation then that is an act which does not require gratitude as a response and equally, <clears throat> uh, if it violates the rights of someone else, uh, or if, if the act itself is morally impermissible, then it, it's an act which does not require a, a response of gratitude. So we could think of a gangster, for example, who does a, f- a favour for one of his cronies, but actually does something quite disturbing and the crony may interpret that as an act of beneficence, but the general society would not, and our ability to reason would suggest that we're not able to do that either. So if we formulate a maxim, we'll understand that it's morally impermissible. And in contrast to Kant, we then have Adam Smith, who comes from what I call the feeling school of philosophy, or what is formerly known as the moral sense school of philosophy. And the idea there is that um The idea from this school is that the rationalist philosophers or the thinking philosophers have placed too much emphasis on our ability to reason and its ability to be able to determine what is right or wrong and so they they want to they want to say that uh, actually our feelings, sentiments, emotions, and passions are play a vital role in morality, and for Smith in particular. He wants to show that if we're able to temper our feelings and able to develop the right feelings that will allow for cohesion and sociality and positive things in in society and allow us to gain more moral capital. So in relation to gratitude in particular smith suggests that there's a particular process that we follow when when we show when we show gratitude and when we show an appropriate response of gratitude so the first is sympathy and sympathy for smith is our ability to be able to place ourselves imaginatively in the shoes of the other the mental shoes of the other and be and and then have feelings that are analogous to that person's so we don't have the same feelings we have feelings that are analogous. And second, then, he suggests that we have this ability for mutual sympathy, and that is the ability to be able to temper our feelings so that the other is able to sympathize with us. And thirdly, he suggests that we have this ability that we develop, which is the ability to be able to uh, become an impartial spectator. So we're able to take the perspective of someone who is watching the interplay between myself and another person. So, for example, myself and the beneficiary, uh, or myself and the benefactor, and if, if as a, in a partial spectator, where we're able to fully sympathise with the exchange that's going on, with, say, if it's a great uh, an act of beneficence which requires uh, a response of gratitude, then if we're able to fully sympathise with that, then that's a true act of gratitude and a true act of beneficence. So, effectively, that's the two schools, the thinking school and the feeling school.
0: Yeah, I found I find that extremely interesting. Uh, I would never have thought of it that way before. And having looked at both schools of thought, where do you fit in in all of this, uh, James?
1: Well, that's a good question. I'm not sure where I fit in, to be honest. I've got issues with both schools. So I don't really want to draw any firm conclusions about what gratitude is or isn't at this stage. What I would rather do, I think, is explore gratitude via... Irish culture and traditions and perhaps we can then discuss your life coaching experience a bit and I think from that we may be able to draw some clearer um, conclusions about what gratitude is and when it's appropriate and how it's useful I think that would be an interesting discussion what do you think
0: yeah I think that that would be a really interesting discussion I think a good place to start James would be talking about the Irish expressions of gratitude and I will actually give you it in the Gaelic and then translate them. And I, I believe that that will make it easier to understand. So, effectively, the first one that comes to mind is Gorev Mahagoth, which is effectively thanks. But if I look at the literal meaning of it, Gorev Mahagoth means may good things come to you. So, I'd see that as a blessing. And not alone are you thankful for the deed, but you're also wishing the other person well. So it's almost a double whammy, okay? And then another expression that I believe is very good as well is "gorev mila mahagot." So if somebody wanted to thank you above and beyond, they might say "gorev mila which means "may a thousand good things come to you." And there's other ones like which means thanks be to God and oftentimes you would hear that expression if somebody was in a bit of trouble and it had worked out well they'd say thanks be to God um, which is and indeed I have heard it said which is a big thank you to God. So I think all of those encompass the Irish way of thinking with regards to gratitude.
1: Yeah, so I think that's really interesting because I think the, any philosopher who's written about gratitude would wholeheartedly agree with those sentiments that are expressed. Gratitude is something whereby you acknowledge uh, an act of true beneficence on the part of the benefactor and as the beneficiary then uh, you 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 have to respond in a, in like in a, in a like manner. So I think that's really interesting, and I think it does capture an element of gratitude for sure. It's also got me thinking, though, about some of the old customs and traditions about in in old Ireland. I think I was you know I think that people must have had to have a huge amount of gratitude uh, back in those days. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I believe that that's why in many ways the Irish are so gracious and we have a reputation for contributing to good causes. And I believe it's because we believed ourselves that we needed other people in order to achieve our goal. So one custom was what we call the Mehel, and the Mehel was a coming together of a group of people to perform a task that wouldn't be able to be done by the one person alone. Uh, As we were very weather dependent to save crops, it meant that if somebody came in and helped you out on a particular day, then you would go back and reciprocate at another point in time. So it was a really good arrangement. People needed people to get the work done. And in many ways, mehel is about cooperation It's about helping out and then knowing that the other person would be there to help you as well. It was also about knowing that there was a certain skill set in a particular area and knowing that each one of those skill sets was necessary to perform the task. So that's what the mehel was really about.
1: So, yeah, I've often heard about the Mehel, and I find it really interesting. I think it really exemplifies Irish culture and tradition. I think it's a really good example of how we can better understand gratitude. So uh, what I'm wondering is, is how did that shape your, well, I suppose the first question I should ask is, what was your earliest experience of the mehel and how did it help shape your understanding of gratitude?
0: Yeah, I remember the mehel was a big part of the farming community. Uh, People helped each other out. The reason they helped each other out uh, was without the help of all the different individuals, the harvest couldn't be got. I remember clearly as a child um, when harvest time was coming, that there was a lot of anxiety in the house. Um, My father in particular would be worrying that the harvest wouldn't be got. And I know that we prayed every night that we'd have a successful harvest. So I believe that that uh, in itself, because it was a process we as a family were working through. So therefore, when it came to pass, I believe then we were so grateful that there was going to be food on the table and all the bills could be paid for the following year. So that was my first um, memory of it.
1: So do you think even then in good times that the sense of gratitude you had persisted and that maybe perhaps you had even a greater sense of gratitude and what kind of gratitude did you in particular feel towards the people who came to help your family and what do you think your parents felt?
0: Yet yeah, the gratitude persisted even in, in a good harvest situation and also we were very grateful to our neighbours for helping out. We were also very grateful that nature had given us the harvest and we praised and thanked God for a good harvest. I believe that this is part of the tradition uh, in the Church of Ireland community where they have a big harvest thanksgiving and they bring all the fruits of the earth and celebrate and sing lovely hymns praise and thanks to God and that's an ecumenical service now in that they invite people from all denominations and particular their neighboring farmers because I think you have to be of the farming community to fully appreciate the extent of the harvest. Uh, so that's my memory.
1: So are there any other customs or traditions that uh, helped to shape your earliest experience, particularly those related to the mehel?
0: I think as far as time goes back, the mehel is really associated with uh, the trashing because there was such a big group of people needed to make sure that the trashing happened and that people ultimately had the successful harvest. It was almost like the last fence. Okay. So I vaguely remember the trashing on our farm at home, but I know there were many trashings here on this farm. And perhaps maybe your dad told you something about them, James.
1: Yeah, he actually did. Uh, I think the trashing is a very good example of the mehal actually. Um, the the, the idea there, I suppose just to give some more context was the, the, it was an, uh, a, it was the processing of the corn and preparing it for further processing along the line, but it was separating the sheaf from the corn um, and it was a difficult task it required a lot a lot of people and it was hard work. but what's really interesting about it is the event that took place at the end. so there was the thing called the trashing dinner. And this was where the farmer and his wife would provide lubrication, alcoholic lubrication, and food and everything else that comes with that. And there would be song, there would be music, there would be dancing, and it was jubilant, it was celebrating. And I think that that was a really good example of uh, of gratitude, of expressing the gratitude, because it was really hard work and it required the assistance of all of the neighbours and the community in order for it to happen. And it was something that went from farm to farm. So, you know, everybody's turn came around and everybody had the opportunity to express their gratitude. And I suppose then that that kind of brings us on then. I mean, to relate that back to the philosophy, I think that's really interesting because, well, my issue with the two philosophical accounts that I've outlined earlier are, primarily I think that they... Fail to understand gratitude within the its context, the pragmatic nature of gratitude the the kind of Kant is trying to understand ideal human relations, so this kind of I- ideal observer and what gratitude would be in an ideal world, and therefore that's something that 's moral now Adam Smith isn't doing that, but he 's doing something similar because he essentially argues if the act of the benefactor of the benefactor is not. Uh, other interested then it's not an act of gratitude or an act of beneficence and therefore it doesn't require gratitude as a response so my issue with that is that it's clear to me that that these examples that we've talked about the harvest the trashing and the metal and that coming together and helping each other out that required gratitude but is it the kind of gratitude that these accounts have outlined i'm not so sure it is because people relied on each other so therefore they came because they knew if they didn't, that then they wouldn't benefit of they wouldn't benefit from the the labor when their harvest or trashing came around. So there was some element of self-interest. But at the same time, it would be it would be foolish to say that there wasn't gratitude in that. There was clearly they had to show gratitude. The events that happened at the end of these um, of these these uh, occurrences, whether it was the harvest, the the Thanksgiving, or it was the trashing dinner were clear expressions of gratitude. But there was clearly an element of self interest mixed in with that. So my issue with these philosophical accounts is that they're not pragmatic and they're taken out of context. And so I think That maybe allows us to have a little bit of a clearer understanding, in my view, of what gratitude may be. What do you think, Sheila?
0: Yeah, I believe that uh, it does give us a clear picture of what gratitude is about. Uh, From an Irish perspective, anyway, I truly believe, first of all, there was obviously an element of self-interest. I also believe that there was a community interest as well, that while you just weren't totally selfish on getting yours, you wanted your neighbour to make sure that they got theirs as well. So it was a reciprocal arrangement. It worked very well, but there was definitely the elements of gratitude, like making sure that you went to quite a bit of bother to have good food and drinks for the party of people who came, bearing in mind that they were getting no payment for it. And also, then I believe the thanking and praising God for a successful harvest. So that to me is gratitude.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And do you know the other thing, I think, what the these customs and traditions, they, they show us that the importance of gratitude. Because I don't think that these things would have happened without gratitude. And that's one thing where i definitely agree and i think any philosopher i've come across that has written about gratitude they all seem to agree on this point that gratitude is essential uh, an essential aspect of sociality and uh, i think alan smith actually gives a good account a good account because obviously I've, i said at the beginning that he's obviously famous for his economics his philosophy of economics or his economic theory and the idea that self-interest is uh the major force in in economics that we can rely on self-interest everybody's self-interested and therefore that's the force we can rely on in order to put bread on the table and to uh, increase gain and gain financial or material capital but at the same time smith is very aware of the fact that um, self-interest is not going to solve all of our problems Uh, he says that in order to have a flourishing society or to gain moral capital capital we need to develop the sentiments of beneficence and of gratitude because these are the glue that holds society together and so and if we look at some other philosophers hobbes for example would say something very similar He's the social contract theory um he would say that, again, that gratitude is central to sociality and and enabling us to come together and so on and so forth. And again, Seneca and Kant, again, they all, they would all agree on this point. And we can see clearly that if these people didn't express gratitude to one another, they wouldn't be able to achieve these things, this collective action, this collectivity of, of a, a different time whereby a different time where labour was divided in a different way, particularly in Ireland. You know, there wasn't money. Ireland was still one of the poorest countries, and it was probably the poorest or one of the poorest countries in Europe at the time, 50s. Pre-60s, there was a a bit of a shift in the economics in the 60s. But prior to the 60s, Ireland was still very much, um, uh, well, and some historians might disagree with me on this, but very much a peasant economy. And so it relied on the good nature and the coming together of people. So I'm I'm just wondering do you think we are do you think we express gratefulness in the same way today do you think gratefulness plays as much of a role in our life as it did back then you've clearly come you've seen major social change in Ireland you you were, you were born in the 50s prior to the kind of first celtic tiger we'll call it Ireland grew economically expanded massively economically in the 60s what do you think how do you think gratitude is different from then to now
0: yeah, there, I believe there are a number of differences. I believe when you feel the need and when it's a process you have to work through, that obviously when it actually happens that you feel huge gratitude. That's the first thing I'd say. Uh, how it has changed in the interim period, it has changed gradually. But sometimes I fear that we have thrown the baby out with the bathwater in the sense that I think we have, we're living in a society where a lot of it is press button, instant gratification. And as a result of that, we don't understand process to the extent we uh, did in the 50s and 60s. So I think we're living in a more clinical world. Um, and a man-mind-thyself world. And because we have become so mechanised that people don't have the same level of dependence on their neighbour. And as a result, I believe that that has probably taken from the true gratitude level that, uh, that we experienced back in the 50s. I'd love to hear this from your perspective, as you've grown up in a different era, and do you think uh, gratitude is different to the the gratitude I told you about in the fifties.
1: Um, I think people are definitely less grateful. Uh, it's interesting because obviously Adam Smith is this such a such a, a, a major figure in economics and in philosophy as well, and he's so he he really wants to emphasise the point that gratitude is such an important aspect of a flourishing society. So yeah, so for obviously, I think the problem is, is that, you know, Smith obviously acknowledged he saw self-interest as the driving force economically, but he saw benevolence and gratitude as the driving force of a, of a flourishing and moral society and the glue that held society together. And I think that we've kind of lost our way a little bit in that sense. And I think it's because of the kind of capitalism we have, uh, whereby people are so obsessed with what they see on social media and the lives that other people are living, that there's the kind of sense of that we must, that we must have that as well. And I think that for two reasons, I think first off we can relate it to the kind of capitalism we have now. And second, I think being here during the COVID-19 crisis has given me some insight into the way people lived prior to, you know, I'd say the 1950s prior back going backwards Um, And I'm not saying that their lives were perfect in any measure or sense. But I think for the topic of gratitude in particular, it will give us insight. So first off, I think that we live in a society now whereby we 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 are obsessed with what we see on social media. And we see what other people are doing. And that makes us feel like we need to be doing it as well. And if we don't do it, then we won't be happy. And I think that expresses a sense of ingratitude for what we have and ingratitude in our relations with others. And I'm guilty of that myself. I'm really guilty of that myself. The second thing is is being here and seeing that, you know, being deprived of that stimuli, of feeling that I need to go to the pub or go to the restaurant or go on a holiday or do whatever, has made me realize that people back then, they couldn't do any of that. Like, you know, they didn't go to restaurants. <laughs> they didn't go to pubs even. I mean, older people drank, but I know that if you talk to some of the older generations here, that a lot of them will say that they didn't drink till they were in their 30s or 40s until they had a little bit of money. So it was very different. And I, and I think what it's made me realize is that life was simpler and they had less, but they certainly had more gratitude because they had less and therefore they had to, They they were grateful for what they had. And I think that relates back to your point about you know if the harvest went wrong you were in big trouble and so for me it's made me realize i suppose develop i think i've probably developed a little bit more gratitude at least and made myself and the other thing i've realized is that i don't need all of these things to be happy or to feel grateful that there's there's all these simple things out there that we take for granted that bring can bring us far more happiness than the things that we see or the the kind of idealized version of someone else's life that we see on social media so what do you think do you do you think that people are perhaps a little bit less grateful than they are and that that has something to do with the kind of consumerist society we live in and do you think people prior to this kind of mass consumerism that we're now living through had more gratitude
0: Yes, I believe we were more content. I believe we had very little grown up. However, we were very content and we were always looking forward to something, something simple. Whereas now I believe people tend to be rushing, rushing, rushing and going places and at the same time, not all that happy. And they're thinking always about the next fix and, if I think about Aesop, he said, gratitude turns what you have into enough. And that's exactly how I would summarise my life, in the sense, particularly grown up, that we turned what we had into enough. And sometimes it was about sparing, uh, but we were grateful that we had that much. And But I I believe that there is far less contentment now far less contentment because people are under pressure 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 to do to have and as a result um they're never content Uh, i believe that people still mean well but i think it's society as a whole that pressurizes them into doing what they may not otherwise do
1: yeah i think that's a very interesting point um Kant makes some interesting, gives some interesting insights into this. Now, he's talking about interpersonal gratitude rather than kind of uh, more of a general gratitude or more appreciative for the things we have. But I think it still gives us some interesting insights. So Kant effectively says that we have an inclination towards ingratitude. And the reason for that is because um when a uh, someone when a benefactor bestows upon us a, a beneficence or a, a an act of good, true goodwill they're creating an asymmetry uh between us and we misunderstand the nature of that asymmetry um Kant is, i one of i kant's ideas i think is really beautiful not that i agree with all of his philosophy uh but i definitely i think the sentiment is is beautiful as the idea that because we're all rational and we all have the capacity to be moral, that makes us all equal fundamentally. And um, so, but he thinks that we misunderstand our own fundamental moral value, our own value, or he thinks we misunderstand that. And he puts that down to what he calls comparative evaluation. So, comparative evaluation, we can relate that to this kind of broader society we live in because people are just. I mean, people. I am guilty of this as well, I, and I, I, I suspect you perhaps may have been guilty too. But everybody's been guilty of it. That we see things, we compare ourselves, we feel envious, and we feel all of these negative emotions, um, or at least what we would consider to be negative emotions. And it's it it may drive us in a way that's not really true to ourselves. And Kant again, I think, it provides some interesting insight here because. What Kant says is it's it's this it, what's fundamental here is this rivalry, right? And he says that rivalry it instigates or it per, or precipitates emulation. So we have to, he says, I, in our nature it's in our nature to make ourselves equal with other people. Now I would go further than that. I would say it's not just in our nature to make ourselves equal; it's in our nature to want to be better than the next person. So if it's in our nature to want to be better than the next person and perhaps it's not in our nature maybe it's more a product of the the mass consumer society that we are a product of for a capitalist society for the kind of society we have to, to, to you know, for that to function properly it requires people to always want more right it requires people to have lots of material things and so if it's a case that we always want more then naturally I think it's going to affect the kind of gratitude we have, the appreciation we have for life. And it's also going to affect our interpersonal relations. And the reason it's going to affect our interpersonal relations is because we're always looking at the next person, that comparative evaluation that Kant talks about, whereby we feel inferior to people. Naturally, we have this inclination that if someone else is more than us, or that he's talking about in terms of a benefactor-beneficiary relationship, but we can apply that more broadly. That if we were looking at people all the time through social media, through just seeing people in day to day life, and if we see people that have that people have more, that spurns on this sense of these what we what would philosophers would call vices: jealousy, envy, rivalry, and the, this need to, to emulate. And we, when someone perhaps bestows a beneficence upon us that we find it hard to be more grateful or to be grateful towards that person because it's kind of this, it spurns this sense of inferiority that we're that that we in this society where it's so important to have as much. That's the marker of success, having, having lots of material things. And that if someone else has more than us, then they're better than us or they ha- hold a higher social standing or self-esteem. But Kant is trying to say that that's not the case. That fundamentally we are all equal because we all have the ability to be rational, to ration, rationalize towards morality. And that makes us all fundamentally equal. And I, that to me is the point that we've misunderstood our relations with others. So the result is that we have less gratitude. And is there a kind of moral rot in society then? That's the really deep question. Is there a moral rot? in the kind of social relationship we have between people I mean if we take it back to the metal if we take it back to the metal and talking to dad he would say that the sense of community back then was far stronger and that people really appreciate each other Now, it's now at the same time we can't romanticise old Ireland there was a hell of a lot of problems with old Ireland but there was clearly some sense, clearly there was that sense of gratitude was far more pronounced. And you said earlier on that we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. that these aspects. So there's obviously bad aspects to old Ireland, but have we thrown everything out? That sense of gratitude is so important, appreciating one another, showing gratitude to each other. And that is that is fundamental to a flourishing society. So what do you think of that point? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I believe, to be honest, there is less gratitude People expect, they have huge, they have higher expectations. And when they get something, often they don't appreciate it. And I also believe that we're, we're disconnected by comparison to how, if you look at how cohesive and connected people were in the past and, uh, and cooperative. But I believe that we have disconnected. And obviously, if we're always trying to be as good or better than other people, It has something to do with our self-worth as well, which could be a problem. So I believe all of those things would suggest that we are in a society that has less gratitude, that hasn't the same cohesion. And I believe that that's probably where a lot of our problems are stemming from today.
1: Well, of course, Kant would say that it's because we misunderstand where our self-worth comes from. It doesn't come from other people it comes we it's something that's inalienable it's part of us our inalienable dignity that's where our self work our true self work comes from so we we i think that that's really important that we try to understand that uh, how we value ourselves is not through the material it's true well Kant would call the transcendental or the immaterial the, the soul okay and we've lost this connection and anyway it's an interesting discussion that perhaps is not for this podcast but I'm going to briefly say it, that we've there's been this disconnect, obviously, in Western Europe between spirituality and modern life, and we've lost this disconnect with our soul, so it feeds into that. So this lack of gratitude, I think, may be part of that broader problem. I wonder what you think about that.
0: I believe if we disconnect with ourselves, we're in trouble. For starters, I'm not sure who said it. I think it was Shakespeare that said, Above all, to thine own self be true. And it must follow as the day, the night. Thou canst not be false to any man. And in many ways, I believe that we are not being true to ourselves because we don't stand up and be counted. When uh, we there's the herd instinct, we go with what other people are doing. Really, then examining our own life and values and say, what do I really want? What's valuable to me? And uh, w- what am I so grateful for?
1: So I'm wondering about your um, life and business coaching. Is gratitude something you try to get your clients to think about? And do you think having a greater sense of gratitude is beneficial to both people's lives and through their entrepreneurial activities?
0: The short answer to that is yes to both of them. However, uh, when I meet a client first, the first thing I need to ask that client is what would they like to achieve? And as a result of that, obviously, I'm working towards what they want to achieve to enable them to find their own answers. But I find sometimes people come for a life coaching session when they're at a crossroads in their life and something has gone wrong. And in many cases, they find it difficult to see the wood from the trees and they don't see all the good things they have in their life. And sometimes, again, they have to reflect and to see where the good things are and how they can move forward in the best possible way. So sometimes I recommend that they do a personal journal for three weeks. And the personal journal would consist of three headings that you write something in every day into what I appreciate. um, What do I want to affirm about myself? And what's clogging me up? Where do I need to be cleansed in order to move forward? So that gives you a much more balanced view of the areas that are good in your life, what's good about yourself and the gifts and talents you have that you uh, want to affirm in yourself, but also seeing the peace that's stopping you from moving forward. So I believe when people actually do that journal for 3 weeks they come to realize that this is a, a, this is a crossroads in my life that I have to work through but there are many good things in my life because you could be consumed by the event that happened and maybe not appreciate what's good in your life so yes the short answer is i would say gratitude is an extremely important component of moving on either both personally or indeed professionally. I believe if you if you have uh, gratitude, gratitude first of all that you appreciate yourself but also that you appreciate others it'll be a big component in business because it will effectively mean that you have better relationships both personally and professionally.
1: So that sounds really interesting. There's two things I'd like to say in response. The first thing, I suppose, is it relates to what we've been talking about in previous in the previous episode about the idea that we're so locked up in our everyday activities that we're kind of rushing towards death, that we never stop to think and to kind of think about what we're doing. Um that you know that actually if we stopped and thought for a moment that first off we'd be able to be more authentic in the way we live but also would allow us to develop more virtuously we become a more virtuous person i mean that's the the philosophy that's the idea of aristotles so having more gratitude is obviously a virtue and i mean what we've seen today is that all these philosophers agree that gratitude is an essential component of A a flourishing society and so we can apply that to people's lives and to business because these are these are you know these are these are aspects of broader society so gratitude in more gratitude to our in business will enable more trust between people more beneficence between people and perhaps that will be beneficial for everyone and also in our lives so the other thing i was thinking about asking you was considering the conversation we've had today is that something, Have you, has it made you think about gratitude differently and therefore is it something that you would apply in your life and business coaching uh, work?
0: Yeah, I think it was a very fruitful conversation in that sometimes we forget to be grateful and obviously I'm including myself in this. We sometimes look at what we don't have rather than what we have. And if I can, first of all, apply that in my own life that I am grateful for, even that these clients are coming to me and trusting me to work them through a process. That's the first thing I'm, I'd be more conscious of. <clears throat> the second thing I would be more conscious of, that when somebody comes and thinks that they're at a dead end and they can't see the wood from the trees, I believe perhaps... One of the most obvious places to start would be, what are you grateful for in your life? I believe that that would be a really good opener because once you see that there's good things in your life, I I believe it would help the client to work through the the challenge they're now facing and realise that they have a support mechanism in place to maybe help them overcome that challenge. In short, James, I believe that this discussion and this reflection has allowed me to uh, think more deeply about gratitude and where I have been ungrateful uh, or taken things for granted that I, I mightn't in the future. And I believe it was very worthwhile, but I still have to get an answer from you on what gratitude really is.
1: The elusive philosopher, eh? Um, uh, no, I think that I can definitely draw some conclusions about what I think gratitude is now at this point. So I think that whilst Kant and Smith both have some really interesting things to say about gratitude, and I think that they certainly capture, they certainly can give us some good insights into it, I think that they both fail to fully capture the phenomenon and what it is. And I think partly that's well. There's two reasons I think that. First off, I think they set, but they both set very high criteria or standards for what constitutes an act of gratitude, or an equally an act of true beneficence. Can't more so than Smith, but I still think Smith does it. Um, for me, from the discussion today, we've clearly seen that uh, the metal, the trashing, the harvest, that these things were. Gratitude was central to these these customs and traditions and but at the same time we could see that clearly that the gratitude expressed was mixed up with some self interest it wasn't purely just the interest of the other or acknowledging purely the other there's self interest there as well so for me then pra- gratitude is not some does not need to meet some very strict criteria it obviously it it's more uh, falls along a spectrum that there's these really that there's these really, you know, amazing acts of beneficence which will require these amazing responses of gratitude. But there's also practical gratitude where you just express thank you for a kindness done and also understanding that if you don't express that gratitude that it, it may lead to, you know, some negative outcomes as well. And that's okay. I think that's okay. Um And the other thing I think is that I don't think... I don't think gratitude is either rational or or something that's just a feeling it's it's clearly for me it's both we both feel gratitude and think that we owe gratitude that to me seems clear cut um, so that's what I think I think I think that's what gratitude is. I think the other thing I think is that we clearly can see how important it is. I mean, from the discussion about your life coaching experience and how you've tried to get people to think about it. And also the broader discussion we've talked about in terms of uh, why people seem to have less gratitude today. I think we can see that we live in a society where the bonds between us are starting to be slowly uh, corroded and, gratitude, that perhaps has something to do with a, with a lack of gratitude and we, we, the one thing all the philosophers agree on is that gratitude is central to a flourishing society
0: Thank you James, I've really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to another very fruitful discussion in the very near future
1: Sheila thank you, as usual I've learned so much from you during this conversation and I'm really looking forward to the next one Hi everyone, we really hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you have a minute, why not give us a like on Facebook at the Hut Near the Bog Podcast. And please don't forget to follow or subscribe on whichever platform you listen to this podcast on. Thanks, bye.